this isn't brain surgery with Doc Snipes. This podcast was created to provide you the information and tools Doc Snipes gives her clients so that you too can start living happier. Our website, DocSnipes.com, has even more resources, videos, and handouts, and even interactive sessions with Doc Snipes to help you apply what you learn. Go to DocSnipes.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody, to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery, Part 3, Practical Tools to Improve Your Mood and Quality of Life. Today, we're going to continue talking about cognitive distortions and how to address them. In this section, we're going to identify ways to increase awareness of thinking errors, address those thinking errors, and address those basic fears that trigger our fight-or-flight response, rejection, isolation, loss of control, the unknown, and death. Oh, and failure. So briefly, let's review some of those cognitive distortions we've been talking about. Um, Each one of these actually triggers some of those basic fears, rejection, isolation, the unknown, loss of control, failure, and death. So let's talk about that for a second. When you personalize negative stuff, and and generally when we're talking about, about the stuff we're talking about, we're talking about it in terms of negative thoughts. If you personalize positive things, it's going to be, you know, hunky-dory. But if you personalize negative things, somebody walks by you in the hallway and seems to turn their nose up and look the other way. If you take that as about you, assuming that they must be angry at you at something, then it may trigger your fear of the unknown. You don't know why they're angry at you, so you feel disempowered loss of control, um, and you may feel like you were being rejected in some way. When in actuality, they may not have even realized you were there. They were thinking about something else. It happens. And, you know, maybe they just came out of a bad meeting or didn't have a good day, haven't had a good day so far, and they were just lost in their own thoughts, and it had nothing to do with you. Mind reading. Assuming you know what somebody else's thoughts or motivations were sets you up for a feeling of rejection and loss of control, especially if you assume that their thoughts were not kind towards you. All or nothing or polarized thinking, looking at, you know, extremes, it always happens. Everybody always leaves. That takes away all of your power because it says it either always happens or never happens, and it doesn't matter what you do. So you have loss of control. It sets you up potentially, if you're thinking in all-or-nothing terms about people, to feel rejected and isolated, as in the example of everybody always leaves. Well, if everybody always leaves, then nobody's going to be here with me. Um, Catastrophizing, making mountains out of molehills. You may feel like something is a complete and utter failure. You know, you take a test and you fail it. I think we've all failed tests before, but if you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, that is the worst thing that has ever happened, and I am never going to get into college now, and I am never going to do this, and I'm never going to do that. That's making a catastrophe where none really exists right now. Yes, if you continue down that path, it could have negative consequences, but catastrophizing tends to make you feel like things are bigger than they are, so it may make you feel like you have a loss of control over the outcome. Overgeneralization, taking something that happened in certain situations and assuming it's going to happen now, or taking, you know, if your other relationships ended poorly, 
generalizing and assuming that when your current significant other forgets to call you, they are getting ready to leave you. That's overgeneralization. You don't know. That's mind reading and overgeneralization. So you may start feeling rejection, the unknown, um, or a loss of control because you feel like, here we go again. There's nothing I can do. The same sequence keeps repeating itself, kind of like you're in that movie Groundhog Day. Having shoulds in your vocabulary. I should do this. I should have done that. I should this. You know, you're going to do what you can do and either do it or don't do it. But shoulds don't do any good because it only indicates what you think you might kind of do. And when you look back and you say, I should have, well, you didn't. You can't change the past. So all you're doing is creating a situation where you're going to keep beating yourself up because you should have done something. What can you do now to improve the situation um, instead of continuing to beat yourself up for your failure and, and reject yourself for not being perfect? And the availability heuristic, remember that's the one where you focus on the things that are most prominent in your mind, whether they actually happen the most or not. Again, this can set you up for feeling like you're being rejected or like you're out of control. Sometimes, you know, you have a bad week and things just seem to keep going wrong. And you can start thinking, nothing ever goes right for me. But then when you step back and you really look, that's what's available right now because that's most recent. That's what's right front and center in your face. But when you look back over the past year, you might go, you know what? The past year has been pretty good. This week, it really sucks. So stepping back, this is also true um, for employers when they do uh, evaluations at the end of the year. A lot of times employers are not so great about keeping records throughout the year so when they're doing your evaluation they're generally basing it on how they feel you've been doing notice i use the word feel um how they feel you've been doing over the past two to three months because that's what's kind of right front and center unless you did something over the past year that was just you know outstanding and that could be outstanding really good or outstanding you really screwed up um, maybe you were scheduled to work one day and you didn't show up at all. You know, they might focus on those things then. So it's important, again, in this situation to back up and look at all the facts. Get the big picture, not just what's most prominent or what you feel the situation is like. You want to get the facts. How can we deal with these? The A, B, C, D, E, F. A stands for activating event. What happened? You got cut off in traffic. You, you know, we'll use that one. The consequence. Most of us don't take too kindly to getting cut off in traffic. Now, you may get mildly irritated or you may get road rage. You know, there's a whole range of reactions. But that is the consequence of getting cut off in traffic. How does that happen? You know, why do some people get really upset? Some people only get mildly upset. It has to do with the beliefs. You want to look at what did you tell yourself when you got caught, cut off in traffic. You know, you may have been thinking to yourself, that person could have killed me. They have no respect. They did it on purpose. They are, you know, a menace to themselves and others and really get yourself all worked up. Or you could say, you know what, this person wasn't paying attention. 
I've done the same sometimes. So it stinks. I wish they would have done it. But the con- um, so you want to go back and dispute the irrational thoughts. You know, the thought that the person did it on purpose, <clears throat> um, that they are a menace to society, that they shouldn't have a driver's license. Those are all kind of making mountains out of molehills here. So anything that's irrational, could they have killed you? Well, probably not. If it was a semi that cut you off at 70 miles an hour, that's a different story. But most of the time, it's inconvenient. Um, What's the most productive outcome? E is for evaluate. What are my options here? I can stew on it, and I can get really angry. And in the case of getting cut cut off in traffic, I can start screaming at the person through the windshield, and they're not going to hear, probably not pay attention. So it's going to have no impact on them at all. All it's going to do is drain my energy. Is this worth my energy? No. You know, I'm not going to change their behavior no matter what I say, even if they hear me, likely. So probably not worth my energy. So how can I best use my energy to deal with it or just let go of the situation? You know, yes, it was unpleasant. It, it kind of, you know, made me upset for a minute. How can I let it go? And your distress tolerance skills come in here. This is a good time to say, all right, I'm going to change my thoughts to something else because there's nothing I can do about this situation that already occurred. It's in the past. I survived. The person is two miles up the road now. Nothing to do. And everything is actually okay right now. So what else can I focus on? Turn up the music. Start singing a song. Um, Start thinking about something else. Start being mindful and focusing on everything around you. You know, the the grass that's growing on the side of the road, the pretty flowers, the hawk on the power line, whatever it is. Get your mind focused on the present moment so you're not stewing on the stuff in the past. Distract, don't react. Sometimes something happens and, you know, you may want to put your fist through the wall. You may want to bury your head into a pillow and scream at the top of your lungs. Probably not going to do much good. How can you distract yourself so you don't do something that is harmful? You know, road rage, very harmful. You don't want to, you know, run somebody off the road and get into an altercation with them. Harmful on so many different levels. So what do you do? You distract. Like I said, turn up the music. Find something to occupy your mind. Think about something else. Um, Focus on your breathing. There are a lot of activities that you can do in mindfulness um, that can help you get through that initial urge. Talk it through to identify your distortions. You, especially in the car, you can be talking to yourself and people think you're talking on your on your wireless. Um, To identify the distortions. What is, why am I so upset about this? Why is this bugging me? And start evaluating yourself. That'll get you focused back in here. Find the middle path. Yeah, it sucked to get cut off in traffic or whatever happened was unpleasant. But at least this didn't happen. Or, you know, at least I didn't actually get run off the road. I am safe now. What's the middle path? What are the positives? What's your attitude of gratitude? Urge surf. Notice how you're feeling. If you are really ticked off, that's how you are. Radical acceptance says you are how you are. Your body, your brain is going to produce feelings. You don't have to latch onto those feelings and feed them and nurture them. You can let them float by like clouds in the sky. Just notice it, acknowledge that you're angry, and say, what am I going to do to improve the next moment? Because getting angry about this isn't worth my energy. 
remind yourself that emotions and urges come in, they increase like a wave, and they go out, sometimes faster than others. But generally, urges to scream, to yell, to use drugs, to eat, to do whatever, uh, smoke a cigarette, come in and go out in about 30 minutes. So if you can distract yourself for 30 minutes so you're not thinking about it, you'll probably find that you don't start thinking about it again at the end of that, when that wave goes out. Notice the changes as the urge goes out. You're probably going to be checking in with yourself periodically, but notice how that urge starts to decrease as you start doing something else. When I get really upset, I'll go outside and I'll weed. And when I first get out there, I don't want to be out there. I want to be fighting the good fight, whatever it is. Um, a lot of times it's not worth my energy, which is why I'm out weeding. And I notice as I'm out there weeding, because I'm focusing on the weeds and what needs to be pulled and what needs to be left, you know, in five or ten minutes, the urge to do whatever it is, quit my job, run away, you know, <laughs> that's gone. So noticing that those urges go out. And, you know, if you have a bad day at work, you may come home and you're, gonna, you're like, that's it. I'm going to quit. I can't take it anymore. That's an urge. Now, you can evaluate it and go through all kinds of analyses, but while you're upset is not the time to do that. So what you want to do is let that urge come in and go out. So you're thinking in your clear-headed, wise mind, which is a combination of the rational mind that is, you know, not real emotional, but also the emotions, because you need to combine them both. What is it that is going to help you personally achieve your goal of happiness what it is for you may be different for me so while we may have the same situation the way we handle it may be different use constructive self-talk pinpoint what you're telling yourself about an urge that makes it harder to cope with the urge i can't stand this i'm going to go crazy if something doesn't change identify those thoughts that you're telling yourself and counter them you know You've probably stood worse things before, or you've been in the same situation before, and you've endured it. How did you do that? What did you do to get through it? What could you do this time that will help you get through it in a healthy way, if the last time wasn't so healthy? Use empowering self-talk constructively to challenge your negative self-statements. An effective challenge makes you feel better, less tense, less anxious, less panicky, less need to... Ask yourself questions like, what's the evidence that I can't stand this, that I'm going to go crazy? There's probably no evidence. It's probably just you're like, oh, um, and, you know, sometimes there are no words for how you're feeling. So what's the evidence that this is going to be catastrophic? Probably none there. Okay. What is so awful about feeling this way? Well, it's unpleasant. However... Remind yourself that it comes and it goes out like a wave. It will pass. This too shall pass. And I hate it when I'm in the middle of being upset and somebody says that to me. I'm like, really? You know, not the time. All right. But when you tell yourself, you can just remind yourself that, all right, I'm gritting my teeth right now, but this too shall pass. I know that these feelings go away. Remind yourself that you're a human being and... You know, you have a right to make mistakes. So if you did something and you feel guilty or you feel um, bad about it or you're beating yourself up or you feel like a failure, you know, remind yourself that nobody's perfect. 
and focus on your strengths in addition to or instead of preferably instead of your weaknesses so when you have distressing thoughts ask yourself what's the evidence that this is the worst thing in the world that i can't stand this that i'm going to go crazy that i have to quit my job because i can't take it anymore what's the evidence am i assuming causation where none exists am i assuming that something's making me feel a certain way when that's not actually what it is am i confusing feelings with facts am i assuming something's awful because i feel like it's awful where in reality the fact of the matter is yeah it's unfortunate but it is not catastrophically devastating am i close enough to the situation to really know what's going on you know maybe your boss comes out of a meeting and you know he's just shaking his head and he's like it's not good well you could take that and you could run six different directions with it but if you weren't in that meeting you don't know what that means maybe that means that he just got written up or maybe it means there's mass layoffs but you don't know you don't have all the facts am i thinking in all or none terms if you happen to be one who does that uses terms like always never check yourself when you say those look for exceptions i always fail at you know or i will never be able to pass calculus well <laughs> in theory if i had a good tutor i might but you know right now we're going with that's true but i do have facts to support it so check yourself and look for exceptions now calculus may not be something i'll ever pass but i did really good in statistics so looking for exceptions is the source of the information credible if you're getting information from a friend of a friend it may have gotten morphed along the way or if you're just assuming you know what's going on but you don't have cold hard facts that's not credible that is guesstimable guess uh, guesstimatable <laughs> Am I confusing low with high probability things? Your significant other is always calls you when he's on the way home from work and he doesn't call you one day and you start assuming he got into a car wreck. Is that high or low probability? You know, assuming that he's a decent driver, probably pretty low probability. What are some other more high probability reasons he might not have called you? Maybe his phone's dead. um maybe the cell towers are out look for exceptions look for higher probability reasons for something am i focusing on irrelevant factors if you're looking at a bunch of other stuff instead of what's going to make you happy and help you get closer to your goals if you're focusing on the fact that this person looked cross-eyed at you and you know there's dirt on your car again and you need to wash it and you don't have time to what do you need to focus your energy on uh what are the advantages or disadvantages to thinking this way and what difference will this make in a month or a year you're not going to go through all of these questions every time you get upset find one to three of these questions that ring true for you that you know you know that most of the time you could ask yourself and go yeah you're right i'm probably creating excessive distress That doesn't mean that a little distress may not be there cuz like I said sometimes unfortunate things happen. But is it, you know, 2 ounces of distress or 20 pounds of distress that this situation is causing? 
one thing you can do is list thinking errors that we've gone over and just think about how those patterns have protected you until now all or none thinking well if you assume that everybody always leaves then you're never going to let anybody get too close which protects you from feeling rejected and abandoned because you can push them away first um, when you um, focus on feelings and make decisions based on feelings instead of facts well you're kind of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy but in some ways it's protective because if something is scary or fear or, or you're afraid of it or it makes you angry you're probably going to either flee from it or you know try to figure out a way to dominate it which has kept you feeling in control now remember rejection isolation loss of control basic fears so a lot of times thinking errors in some way have triggered a basic fear but also in some ways have protected you from your basic fears because they've kind of created a wall identify thinking errors that you still hold on to and think about why you're holding on to them if you're still thinking and it's not going to be those general ones like you know magnification well i hold on to magnification now you want to think about what things do you tell yourself that you're holding on to everybody always leaves I'm never going to amount to anything mother was right I'm always a failure those sorts of thinking unhelpful thoughts that are extreme tend to keep you from achieving your goals of being happy and healthy and in healthy relationships if you're still holding on to those meaning you occasionally still tell them to yourself develop a countering statement so when you tell yourself that you can counter it with something else if you can't develop one you need to ask yourself why am I so hell-bent on refusing to give up this statement that is hurtful it's also important to remember that most of your thought patterns and your thoughts and your negative tapes were learned over a long period of time they again they served a purpose and they were more beneficial than the alternative a lot of times in some way they kind of protected you and kept you safe from danger from the outside changing your outlook means seeing how this thought pattern is destructive and alternate thought patterns you know walking that middle path may now be more helpful you know when you were a child if you were in an environment that was unsafe emotionally or physically you know there were certain ways of thinking that you used to protect you certain things you saw that told you this is always going to be a bad situation i need to go hide under the bed i got that think about now now when this happens what can you think in what ways can you start challenging some of those thoughts and what alternate thought patterns may be more helpful such as this reminds me of my past but this is not the same situation in an addicted home the mantra is don't talk don't trust and certainly don't feel the addict rules the roost for a child from an addicted home negative thinking helped you align with the primary caregiver and provided safety you know because generally people with active addictions have a lot of cognitive distortions think negatively feel like the world is out to get them think in all or none terms etc so it kind of helped you get into their mindset which helped you predict in some ways when the stuff was really going to hit the fan so you can see how it might be protective as an adult you no longer have to align with that person with the addiction you are 
able to support yourself you are in a safe situation so you no longer require the safety of aligning with that person and their way of thinking so challenging your own thought patterns and going is this how i want to be is this how i want to think if not how do i want to think how do i want to interpret this situation issues and events from the past don't need to continually negatively impact a person once you realize that you know this is stuff from my past coming up you know bad breakups abandonment issues abuse um, grief and loss whatever it is it comes up it's part of us and until you deal with that stuff and kind of make peace with it in your own mind it may continue to impact you but you can also recognize when you're acting in a way like you would have acted back then in a similar situation but it was different so you need to focus on the present and figure out with all my strengths with everything i've been through with everything i've survived how is the best way most effective way for me to interpret and deal with this situation thinking errors all the ones that we went through are learned you didn't come out as a baby and have these thinking errors you learned them from your environment they can be unlearned once you're aware of them and you start hearing yourself telling telling yourself those things you can counter them you can choose to think a different way these thought patterns help to form and maintain a negative or vulnerable self-image so start finding statements and things to tell yourself that are positive and empowering healthy thought patterns will help you feel loved empowered and just more in control of your current life circumstance if you like this podcast you can subscribe on any podcast player join our facebook group at docsnipes.com facebook or join our community at docsnipes.com thanks for tuning into happiness isn't brain surgery with doc snipes our mission is to make practical tools for living the happiest life affordable and accessible to everyone we record the podcast during a facebook live broadcast each week join us free at docsnipes.com facebook or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and remember, DocSnipes.com has even more resources, members-only videos, handouts, and workbooks to help you apply what you learn. If you like this podcast and want to support the work we are doing, for as little as $3.99 per month, you can become a supporter at DocSnipes.com join. Again, thank you for joining us and let us know how we can help you.